0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's better than this? Guys, V and Dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast, presented by Locked On. It's Joe Marino and Ben Solak of the Draft Network, and we are your hosts here on this Monday edition of the show. Kyle, we're giving him the day off on the podcast because he is working overtime right now Mm -hmm. trying to write the greatest mock draft the Draft Network has ever produced. He wants the record. He he wants the record for page views on a mock draft, and I hope he gets it. Uh, I have the record by a very, very substantial margin, (laughs) Uh, and so... I would love for nothing else than for Kyle to to beat my record. So make sure that you check out his mock draft, which is now on thedraftnetwork.com for your reading pleasure. And and Ben, we have brought in the wonderful Ben Solak. You guys always want more Ben. You get more Ben today. Ben, welcome to the show.
1: I didn't know that they wanted more Ben. But, yeah, no, Kyle's mock is sick because it's the uh – it's one of the first ones on the new site with the new interface, which is really cool. And the linked players and the embedded mock and it's really neat. Looks and you got the logos up, and so it's a lot like cleaner of a look, which we're really excited about. Uh, sources say NFL Network's feeling threatened because it looks real <laughs> clean, just like this. Um, but also, the, when you set the mock draft record, there is something else. John had a post. I can't remember what it was. They went really well that day, and that's why you broke it. You got some help on the outside, if memory says. The, the
0: numbers of my mock draft in comparison to every mock draft that's ever been written on the draft network, my last one, it is there, there, there's, no, there's literally nothing you can say. It's that so far ahead. Do you realize how much further ahead it is?
1: It's like DK Metcalf running a 4 3 at 228 pounds, baby.
0: It's a lot like that. Ben, we are going to talk about offensive recap of the Combine today. But before we do, uh, you do a lot of things for the Draft Network that maybe people don't know about. Obviously, you, you write a lot and, and those types of things. But you have really worked hard on developing our Twitch yeah. strategy. And so can you tell the listeners what Twitch
1: is, what we're doing, and why they need to be excited about it. I mean, Twitch is super sick for our purposes, Joe, because more than any other, I would say, NFL or college football media, our nature is interactive. Because the draft only happens once, but so much preparation goes into it, there's so many questions, there's so much behind-the-scenes stuff. And Twitch is by far our most interactive platform. When we are doing a Twitch, when we are live on Twitch, you are seeing us visually, you are hearing us talking, we're doing we're doing different show concepts like Guess the Scouting Report, like Drink Not Drink. And these are shows that you get to get involved in. You're there in the chat while we're on the Twitch. You're giving your guesses for the games. You're asking us questions for the Q&As. You're interacting with us as we react to to combine times. Twitch is just a really fun place for us to interface with you very organically right there immediately. And so twitch.tv slash the draft network is the spot. There's a ton of sub perks for you guys. There's uh, sub-only chats and there's answers raffles to win the new... Uh, gift card to go to the new Draft Network store and there's exclusive video content and there's a ton of hype and there's a ton of fun so Twitch is something we're really excited about expanding, it's going to be something we continue to do more and more throughout the draft season and in years to come it's a lot of fun. Alright, let's talk about the Combine, let's talk about Kickers and punters. Any, okay. Anytime you... No. Kick. In the words of Joe Marino, I don't know if this punter has the speed I'm looking for at <laughs> the position. I'm
0: very passionate about my punters. All right, let's talk quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So this is an interesting quarterback group, right, coming yeah. off uh, a year where we had five first-round picks. Uh, we're not sure how many we're going to have, probably two or three. But the guy with the most buzz didn't do anything besides weigh in and have some, uh, some media interviews. And, and I'm talking about Kyler Murray, who's... Yeah. Really, there's a lot of buzz with him potentially being the number one pick to Arizona. Don't want to dig into that too much, but it's interesting that everybody... And, and John, I don't want to take credit this for this, because John Ledger said this. He weighed yeah. in at 207, or, and he's 5'10",
1: 207, yeah. 5'10", and an eighth. Yes.
0: And everybody totally went crazy over this, this weigh-in. And John Ledger put it best. He said, well, he went from the zero percentile for size at a quarterback position To the zero percentile,
1: to the size of the quarterback position. Yeah. What do you
0: take away from from what we saw and didn't see from Kyler this weekend?
1: Right, so number one, it was very clear from the beginning, you know, Kyler decides to come to the combine, like, he's officially on the list, I don't remember when, but it was ages after the, you know, like, like we expected in terms of, like, oh, he showed up there on the list, he's confirmed coming, but his declaration process was so late, and there's so much confusion, you knew he wasn't going to be fully trained, you know, like, like, his over-under for the 40 was set in the four threes, and he didn't yeah. run, but I smashed the over on that, because simply, you don't train quarterbacks to run really good 40s, even if they could run in the four threes, 3s especially on the time crunch you're on, so Okay, Kyler masked up, right? That was his number one goal. He comes in over 205, and that's great. But the thing is that like, if, you, if you're just a, a, an NFL fan and then you come to the combine to learn heights and weights— NFL teams have been checking out the heights and weights of these guys since the fall. They've been asking team sources. They, they get their play weight every single game. They get their, their height during fall training. They got it during spring training last year when they knew they could potentially be eligible. So everybody knew Kyler was around 5'10". We, we knew this. You know what I mean? Like, there was no significant discrepancy. There was no big lie. He comes in at 5'10 and an eighth. And there's no way that's a big victory as compared to 5'9", 7'8". It's a quarter of an inch, and it really doesn't affect his game. What matters is his ability to throw at that height at which he's been as a person, right? Yep. So there it simply is. So, yeah, he comes and he weighs in. He hits, you know, a 5'10", benchmark, a, 20, a 200, a 205 benchmark. Sure, that looks great. At the end of the day, will it in any way, shape, or form make him more successful at the NFL level? No. It has really no effect.
0: The thing about Kyler, and I said this last week, and maybe there was some... People had some weird takeaways from it. But the reality is, if you're drafting Kyler Murray, you're punting the size component of it. You're saying, we don't care about it. right? And so, the least important thing he he came in and did was weigh himself. Now, here's the thing. If he's substantially more heavy than we anticipated, then run. Prove to us that you're the right. same athlete at 207 as you were at what we believed you were 190 or 195 and that wasn't in the cards for him and I'm not sure if he'll ever run
1: yeah and, and it's the fact like you know there was that that mention around him that was oh like you know I probably won't throw but there's a chance to like you know once <laughs> I get out there like I'll just decide that I want to throw there's just like there's so much narrative around Kyler because of how his process has gone to this point that everything he does is contrived and terribly examined and if you want a shining example of that. Look no further than Trevor's question to him. Trevor Sigma asked Kyler, half in jest and half in legitimate interest, if you weren't doing football, what would you be doing for a job? It's a question that we ask a lot of prospects. Mm-hmm. It's fun to hear their answers. Coaching, you know, A.J. Brown said he'd be a sportscaster. Other guys have, like, legitimately off-the-field interests, which is great for them. He asked Kyler that. Kyler had no idea how to respond, denied answering the question, took another question, then came back to Trevor and said, coaching, which none of that is authentic. He'd be yeah. doing baseball. We know he would because yeah. he was drafted top ten to play baseball. So everything about Kyler now is a performance, it's all about how he's viewed, it's all through the lens of this, that, and the other thing. We're just we're not gonna get an authentic look at him. The best we're gonna understand as far as his personality and ability to lead the team is gonna be what comes to the grapevine, which in and of itself is already not trustworthy. So Kyler's pre-draft process is unique and inexplicable.
0: Shifting gears to the players who did participate at quarterback, I think right. the interesting theme when I I think about the the group as a whole is there's not a lot of buzz. Right? There wasn't wasn't anybody that came and said, "Wow, this guy threw the ball really well." well you,
1: you tell me the last combat we had where two of the quarterbacks present were asked to try, to him in different <laughs> positions. One was the last time defensive that back being one of
0: them. Defensive right. back
1: at tight end? Right. I mean, like that just tells you what we have in this quarterback class right now. Uh, Haskins was smooth, right? I mean, he was fine. Yeah, I mean, sure. Like Haskins can can throw the ball well to all three levels of the field. Did I learn anything about him right. I didn't already know? No, you know what I mean. Like I'm watching Drew Locke and Daniel Jones be super late on the on the Poco route, the post corner, which you know they, it, it's a it's a five step drop and one hitch to throw, and they're taking two hitches and they're waiting <laughs> for the break. It's a throw they've never attempted. You know what I mean? I said I told everybody the best thrower I saw was Ryan Finley, and yeah. Ryan Finley probably threw the most multi break routes in college, and he looked the best throwing them here at the yeah. combine. He also has a weak arm and isn't necessarily well he's a better mover than I thought. He yeah. Four seven four or something. Yeah. Didn't expect that. He's got a weak arm. He doesn't have a huge frame. Obviously he's he's good between the years. Maybe he's backup potential. But this was not a class where there were there was enough talent, enough like polished talent to be super interesting. The most interesting thing was was Tyree Jackson running a four five nine or whatever he ran. That was fun.
0: Yeah, didn't expect that and um uh, I think Tyree's probably a player that the, some teams are going to fall in love with the tools, and he'll yes. probably go higher than he should. Day two. And he'll be interesting. He'll be one of those that we, uh, a case study, if you will, that when we reflect back on this quarterback class. Let's move on to the wide receivers. Much more fun. Much is much more is there anything, do we need to talk about anything besides DK? Let's actually, let's actually have a good discussion right. about DK, because he did historically great things in terms of his size and a lot of his testings, but... It seems like lost in a 4 3 40-yard dash, a ridiculous jump, bench press, all this stuff sure. is his agility. the 20-yard short shuttle, the three-cone. Ben, how, what are you doing with that information?
1: Right, and, and it's funny because I was given the wide receiver write-up, and I said it, it's, it's simply not a problem to me because – at the point where if you have a guy who's just he's not the snappiest through his breaks, and obviously it's really nice when wide receivers can sniff snap through breaks. Like that's fun to watch. You can see the easy separation. It's very easy to scout and see. We knew off of film that this was a guy who was taking six steps to get into a comeback. It's the reality when you're stopping 228 pounds that's moving at 4-4 four, four speeds on the field. When you want to stop that weight and get it back, It's going to take some steps. It's going to take some time. But eventually, we have to start talking about a player who's big enough, strong enough, and fast enough that even if he's not the quickest through his breaks, it's still really freaking hard to cover him, right? Like, why does a 3 corner short shuttle interest us? In terms of separation. When you go on DK Metcalf's film, he can run away from any corner. He can release from any corner at the line of scrimmage with physicality. So, sure, you probably don't want him running blaze outs, okay? But you don't want most receivers running, you know, post-corner posts. You, know, like, you know, That's reserved for the best route runners. It's okay for a guy to not be the best route runner and still be a wide receiver one at the next level. Uh, Trevor Sigma brought up Mike Evans. Mike Evans is a limited change of direction player. He's also one of like three players in the <laughs> history of the league to have five one thousand yard seasons to start his career. Yeah. Like we can do it with DK guys. We can pull it off with the four through three two twenty eight monstrosity. We can figure it out.
0: You and I were talking about J Jaw J J R Whiteside from from Stanford, and it was interesting because I was kind of dogging. Maybe it was Kyle. I'm sorry if it was Kyle, then it was Kyle. But what we him and I were talking about his speed. And uh, maybe we had some concerns about it. And the reality was with receivers, there's so many different ways that you can use receivers. Yes. There's so much space. There's so much variety. Not that I don't think DK's a fine route runner. Mm-hmm. But if you can't tap into those traits and find right. ways to
1: be very productive, mm-hmm. then you just I, – I, I can't. Listen, we, we, we love to say in scouting, you know, figure out how to player wins. It's not hard to figure out how DK Metcalf wins. Now, if you want to convince yourself there's a way he loses because he ran a 4-5-3 then fine, go for it. Like Talk yourself into it. It's to your disservice. The guy is an unbelievable straight-line athlete. There's no way you can't find a dominant role for that in the NFL. I'm sorry. I'm just going to send you to Brad Kelly's timeline, his article
0: he wrote for the Draft Network. Right. Uh, you can have your, answers, your questions answered through that. I want to mention Terry
1: McCorn. You like him. You this really guy's like
0: him. I, really – I mean, you think about from the point – I mean, from the draft season. Senior Bowl, combine now, checking boxes, man. Checking boxes. He, he, he was tremendous at the Senior Bowl, really detailed route runner, showing good hands. Uh, you saw a lot of burst. You validated the speed with the you know a terrific time. He ran – was a 4.35, 37.5-inch uh, vert, 10.5 broad, 701 three-cone, 4.15 short shuttle at 2.08. Outstanding. And he's a big time special teams guy, which is a character guy. So right. when you think about your third, fourth receiver, this is what you want, man. And right. so I think that he's. It, he helped himself probably as much as anybody over the last three months having not even played a football game
1: yeah listen and there's anybody else who helped himself just in a huge quantum leap it was miles Boykin yeah who decided to come out with a four four two forty over 200 pounds this is a guy who was setting records up with a manual haul in the vertical jump and in the broad jump that led the class 677 on the three cone 407 on the short shuttle i mean we're talking about the the third and second highest jump marks in the mock draftable database Base, right now, you go back to his tape. And, and and maybe we're maybe we're really just we don't understand Notre Dame in all, at all. But it felt like last year, Equinemius Saint Brown was a good athlete for the wide receiver position who had some really nice catch radius ability, and he just was underutilized. I'm watching Miles Boykin film, and I'm looking at myself. Okay, the guy doesn't really know how to run routes. I'll give you that, but he adjusts well to the football. Really strong hands outside of his frame, and he can do this. How are we not getting? We, he's blocking. Like, what are we doing here? So I don't know. It's another Notre Dame receiver that I feel like could be more than he was in the NFL. Boykin. Not more than day three, but he wasn't even on radars until they put out this performance.
0: Real quick, don't want to go too deep here, but I wish Kelvin Harmon and Riley Ridley, two receivers I liked a lot going into the event, they really didn't show the athleticism yeah. I was hoping for uh, to really pound the table for those guys. So I think their tape's good. Really
1: excited more about Harmon, but just would have liked to see better numbers. Yeah, the key, dif- the, the key difference is we needed a reason to excuse Ridley's lack of production, right. and we leaned on, well, he's, he's an athlete, so draft him higher would be better than the NFL. Well, poor performance. Calvin Harmon really didn't do anything that bad. Right. It's just Hakeem Butler had a great day. AJ Brown had a great day. Nikhil Harry had a pretty good day. DK Metcalf had a great day. Calvin Harmon just didn't really do anything. So relative to the top of the wide receiver class, he fell just because he was not as strong as the other guys. Ready to talk tight ends? Always ready. In this class, I'll talk about any tight end you want. Iowa, right? The, the, the no. factory.
0: The, the factory of Iowa has produced the top two tight ends in this class. We confirmed right. that with, uh, with Noah Fant and uh, TJ Hawkinson were able to do at the combine. I think mean, Fant was just. Terrific, right? I mean, across the board numbers, a right. little bigger than maybe we thought he would be.
1: Two fifty was huge for him. Yeah, I'm happier he came in at two fifty and tested below some of the crazy numbers we've heard for him, rather than the two forty he potentially played yeah. at. Like I heard, like he was going to run a sub four short shuttle. Well, he ran like four two or something like that, right? But or at two at two, f- two fifty, I prefer that. And then coming in at two forty, like lot lighter than Evan Ingram and 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 running you know like a sub 4 short shuttle so yeah big weight and then carried it really well huge win for Noah yeah, 64
0: 249 33 and a half inch arms four, five, 40, 20 bench press reps 39 and a half hurt, 127 inch broad jump what's that 10, 10 7 10 7 baby uh 6813 cone 422 two short shuttle boxes checked emphatically TJ Hawkinson, man, here's the thing about TJ. He had a great day too. He was just a tick below on uh, yeah. all the tests. But here's the thing, like if you went into this event thinking TJ Hawkinson was the number one tight end over Noah Font, nothing changed. Nothing changed. Nothing changes. Yeah. We we, we confirmed what we saw for them on film. And uh, different tight ends, a little bit more balance from, from Hawkinson. You get a little more juice from Fant, and uh, you obviously you drop off in, in blocking. So uh, I don't know how you can make a case for either, somebody else not being one of the top two tight right, ends. Right,
1: which the only I think the next best guy was Irv Smith out of Alabama off yep. tape, and he had one of the weaker days, kind of in a Calvin Harmon way. Not terrible, but not as strong as some other guys. I will say with Hawkinson and Fant, exactly. Whoever is your tight end one probably still is. My, what interests me is this. I felt this way off of their film, checking them out. I saw them live against Northwestern, and I felt this way seeing them at the Combine. Though Hawkinson was wearing one of those baggier shirts, you can add more weight to Hawkinson than I think Fan. I think Fan's pretty much maxed out around the high 2.4s, two around 2.50, whereas Hawkinson's got real broad shoulders, real broad hips. I think he can take more mass if you want to take a 2.51 guy and make him truly a brawler in line. So it's a bit of a physical advantage for Hawkinson everything else. You know, Font's obviously quicker, more explosive, whatever. The, the the other big guys, the two big ones that stand out, everybody loved them, were Foster Moreau out of LSU yep. and then this Cajale Warring out of San Diego State, who Warning was a guy that we got, you know, a sniff of, like, you know, 10 days for the combine. John Ledger said, hey, maybe this guy can play drop problems on tape, drop problems during the combine, during the receiving drills. But his testing was tremendous. And Foster Moreau as well. This is a big-bodied dude, 253 pounds, 6'4", and he had great dynamic testing, which you didn't really see on his LSU you film, just because of what he was asked to do. So he has the potential to be a better NFL tight end than he ever was at the college level.
0: Poor went out for Isaac Nauta and Caden Smith. Oh, I mean, failed. They just failed. They Isaac, failed the test. Isaac
1: Nauta shocked me. Horrible. I could not have seen that. Especially
0: kind of- because at the press conference, him and I talked about his... Testing, he said, I'm gonna jump high and I'm I'm, I'm gonna run in the four sixes. Have you not practiced?
1: Have you not checked it out? Like were they
0: lying you I, to you on stopwatch? I, what, uh, I mean I let me see these numbers. Four he's six three two forty-four, which is smaller than we thought because he's actually a good blocker on foot. Right. So maybe he got even smaller so he could test better. Four nine one forty. 28 inch vert Death null. It's a death null. It's a fail Seven he four failed. five three three He failed the Jerry Tillery ran that three <laughs> cone At 300 pounds <laughs> It's just a fail And then Caden Smith Who uh, Didn't he? he t- his testing was pretty much On par with naught And maybe
1: not quite as egregious But the thing about Caden Smith Is he's not a good blocker Right so, And we're, we're talking <laughs> an exclusively a body control contested catch guy who we now know really for a fact can't separate his film and his athletic testing both lead you to believe that they can. And he's a, a weak blocker. So we're talking about a tight end two ceiling you know, field stretcher seam buster. That's pretty much all he's got. Listen, if you want the guy at the seam, it's Jay Sternberger or it's the Scajale Warding. Those are the two you want to target.
0: Swift our gears to the running back position here. Really excited
1: about Justice Hill. Yeah, you guys like, I know you and Kyle both like Justice Hill a little more than I do off film. Yeah, well, he came in, 4 uh, 4, 40 yard dash, really
0: tested, really solid across the board, uh, 40 inch vert, 10 10 standing broad, 21 reps, two and a quarter. Uh, you see a guy that, I think this is the player, this might be a hot take. You ready for this? Bring okay. th- I think this is the player everyone thought Devin Singletary was.
1: See, I like that a lot because while Hill still gets chased down on film the same way Singletary does, Hill also has some really juicy, juicy moments where he's, he's, he's flitting in and out of space that I just never really saw from Singletary. Um, who are your standouts for, for running back? Yeah, no, Miles Sanders has to be the one who I think really won the day. And simply, when you have a guy who's going to tear up the three-cone drill, he's going to have the best three-cone out of everybody else at 211 pounds. I mean, a uh, sub-6-9 time is ridiculous. And it illustrates a player who, what we, you know, what we thought he was, the explosiveness in his hips, in his glutes, and in his quads, when he's able to drop his hips, play at really crazy angles. His best trade on film, in my opinion, was his ability to link moves together to make the second guy miss after he made the first guy miss and that comes back to body control and ridiculous flexibility. That's illustrated in a three cone. And then you throw in the fact that he's jumping out of the gym, which you expected off of his explosiveness. Yep. Listen, it's always so funny because if there's no Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders is a multi-year starter and he's setting records for weightlifting in that Penn State room but because of what Barkley was doing ahead of him, he had very little time and he also doesn't have any of the records because Barkley beat him out. The other thing that I love about Sanders on the film, he lines up in the slot. They Penn State really gave him a, a high degree of routes to run, and so you know you can get him involved in the passing game as a third down back. Physical specimen, got to develop his vision a little bit, but he came in confirmed expectations, and the rest of the class was pretty weak, so he stands out in comparison.
0: Can you address the Elijah Holyfield thing because you yeah. you, you wrote a piece about him and, and I.
1: Kyle and I both like him a lot. You like him a lot. Yeah. But then we had what happened on, four, on Friday, eight, four, eight. Eight, just terrible, right? which is terrible. Which, what it comes down to now, which is kind of how I ended, and you can find the piece and all the film work on the Draft Network, you know, what do we do with Elijah Holyfield's combine is the name of the piece. Where do you value a running back who is not going to hit a home run? That's where we're at. Like, I think Elijah Holyfield better than any back in this class. He's my running back, too. He's only behind Joshua Jacobs. But better than any running back in this class, he turns three-yard plays into six-yard plays and six-yard plays into ten-yard plays with his field vision, with his patience, with, with his quick footwork, with his good change of direction, with his finishing, with his physicality. He really maximizes positive yardage. But, I mean, I went through trying to find his biggest runs. And there's a run where he gets chased down from behind by a safety. From middle Tennessee State. All right. Like we went to his weakest. We're going to a game against Missouri where he has multiple opportunities to break into the third level, open up his stride, and try to house it. And instead, he shorts his stride and tries to look for a cutback. He's always looking for contact, to change direction, to get behind a guy. When he gets green space, he doesn't want to go there. And that just illustrates a guy who just doesn't think he can hit home runs. He doesn't think he can open the tank. He did like, and this is a, a guy who ran track in high school. So we thought he was going to be good off the blocks. He's faster than a 4 8. He's going to run better than a four-eight to Georgia, but he's just not a home run hitter. And 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 in the NFL, that's increasingly throwing the football and it's throwing to set up the run or whatever you want to call it. You need your running back to be able to house the runs that he breaks into the third level, and that's just not Holyfield. So I don't know where you value him. I really, it's a tricky. Like I love his film, I just don't know what he brings.
0: Yeah, and the fact that he doesn't really catch football, kind yeah. of concerned. Now he pass protects, I give him that, but he's going to be kind of one of those niche blockers. Short yardage, barrel, you know, get get the tough yards, but uh, you just limited limited athlete. It just is what it is. Any other thoughts on the running backs before we shift gears to the offensive line?
1: Uh, just highly disappointing in the in the speed times and in the explosiveness times. Yeah. I mean, nobody was really super thrilling. Daryl Henderson, I thought underwhelmed a guy people thought was going to be super fast. Miles Gaskin disappointed me. Damian Harris just remained so steady and so consistent. He'll be a guy who provides value, you know, on a first contract probably doesn't get a big second one, but he's a fun player regardless. Offensive line, I'll take uh,
0: the lead here. A couple of guys, centers that I thought really. Did what I thought they would do, but you want to see them do that and really solidify themselves as what I think are you know top top 15, top 40 picks somewhere in that range. Interior offensive line is always difficult to project unless you're Quentin Nelson. Uh but Big <laughs> Quint, uh, Garrett Bradbury from North Carolina State. I mean, uh, what a day. 492 40 yard dash, 34 bench press reps, 7, 4, one 3 cone, which is just unbelievable. That's the 13th highest all-time for an interior offensive lineman, Uh, and his tape obviously stands out at North Carolina State. Really amazing zone blocker in the run game. And then Eric McCoy from Texas A&M. I did his his eval a couple weeks before the combine. I actually put a tweet. I said, we need to talk more about this guy. He is a stud, and he's an athlete on top of that. He checked in really well, 489, 40-yard dash, Uh, 29 bench press reps, really explosive guy. I think this is the kind of player that a team can target and really feel comfortable with him being able to block in any scheme. Uh, and he did it in the SEC, so he's got good tape. I thought his, his tape against Quinton Williams was about as good as I've seen anybody hold up against Quinton right. Williams. So uh, you need a center, man. you got a couple good ones here to pick from.
1: How do you convince yourself to draft Greg Little in the first round, in the second round? I mean, we were. this was Keep a going. <laughs> this was the guy who we were talking about as a top 15, round one, first tackle off the board sort of a guy. He turned out poor tape. Against, and we realized this when we were going through it, some of the weakest competition in the SEC didn't get Josh Allen in terms of against whom he was rushing. Didn't play, I think, no, they, they played play at Alabama this year, but he had Isaiah Bugs, who he's majorly dealing with. Isaiah Bugs massed up to over 300 because he was never an edge. And then there was some other good SEC rusher that he didn't have to handle this year. So against weaker competition, bad tape, he's supposed to be trading on his athletic system. He has the second worst vertical jump, he's like the third worst short shuttle or something. His 40 time is dreadful. It's in the five threes. I mean, this is just a guy who, what his calling card was supposed to be, he totally whiffed. He's, his stock's been on a downward trend since pretty much the season started. And now in a tackle class with a lot of talent, Andre Dillard, tremendous short shuttle, great reps uh, uh, in terms of his movement skills and then the agility drills. You have Cody Ford, Jonah Williams, John Taylor, all of whom were either like as good as expected or better in this in this training, in this combine. I just don't see how you draft Greg Little anywhere near the top of the class.
0: Um can I mention Chris Lindstrom? Oh, Boston please. College.
1: Chris Lindstrom is still. I mean, like Chris Lindstrom, going to be a top twenty player on my board. Yeah, a
0: very easy player to figure out. You know, and it feels like some of the opinions out there are very wide-ranging. But, I mean, I think you have – I couldn't imagine him not being a
1: very high-quality interior offensive lineman for a very long time. Right. Uh, it's just so – like I liken him to what Brandon Scherf has become for the Redskins. Sure. Scherf was never really worth that fifth overall or whatever it was. But Scherf is just now just, just a very good guard who causes you no problems and, like, you know, maybe will make the pro Bowl in his better years flawless.
0: Yeah, and I think he was even more athletic than I thought he would be. Thought, you know, so yeah. th- that's, that's actually good. Anything else here on this offensive line class before we let everyone go?
1: Caleb McGarry. Yep. Jumped well, ran well, better mover than I thought he was going to be. I've been told that there are area scouts who have him as the end of round one, or early round two, great. This is a guy who could be going earlier than we think in a tackle class with a lot of names. Great day for Caleb.
0: That's going to do it for us today, folks. Thanks, Ben, for hopping in and filling in for Kyle as he writes the greatest mock draft. The draft network has ever seen Don't it. Yeah, what's I haven't read it yet. So it's actually because it's being produced right now. Yes, so. exactly. I'm uh, on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to checking that out here. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. Leave us that five-star review. Kyle and I will be back again for you tomorrow to talk about the defensive prospects and recap all of that. Just like Ben and I did for you today. Uh would encourage you to follow us on on Twitter. I am at the Joe Marino. He is at Benjamin Solak, S-O-L-A-K. If you like quirky football takes, that's probably going to be the spot for them. Draft Network can be followed at Draft Network LLC. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.